RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, presents the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Here is the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, transcribed. Written by Jack Douglas and Marvin Fisher, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Janine Roos, and Whitfield, the orchestra under the direction of Skip Martin, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. First, a word from RCA Victor. You can tune in the world on RCA Victor's new portable radio, the Strato World. This is BBC London. This is Tokyo calling. Whether the radio station you want is across the globe or across town, it comes in clear and strong on the Strato World. This seven-band AM shortwave portable radio has electrical band-spread tuning. It automatically separates foreign stations on the dial so you can tune them in like local radio stations. And you get wonderful reception, even in difficult areas, for the Strato World has three antennas, one for standard broadcast, one for shortwave, and a special window antenna for use in planes and trains. No wonder it's standard equipment for seasoned diplomats and world travelers. See and hear the Strato World, one of many dependable table models, clock radios, and portables by RCA Victor, world leader in radio. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Faye and Bill Harris. A lot of thought and planning went into the building of Phil Harris's home in Encino, California. The architect provided for everyone in the family. There's a roomy, sunlit kitchen for Alice, the housewife. A sewing room for the youngest daughter, Phyllis. A music room for the older daughter, Alice. And then there's a playroom where any child can amuse itself for hours. The child's room is where we now find Phil Harris. <laughs> Gee, this is the longest morning I've ever put in. I don't know what to do next. I finished building the Ferris wheel with my erector set. <laughs> and I tried out my new toy wood-burning outfit. Gee, it burns real good. But I'd sure like to find out who filled the water tank on my toy fire engine with lighter fluid. <laughs> Lucky I had something handy to smother the fire with. I wonder if Alice will miss her mink coat. <laughs> Boy, I thought that coat would never stop smoldering. This room smells like somebody'd been smoking a gopher without a filter. <laughs> oh, what a boring day. I just don't... Hey, I know what I'll do. I'll try my Australian boomerang again. Maybe today I can make it come back to me. Well, Oh, here you are, Phil. I've been looking all... What is that? I don't smell anything. You don't? Well, I do. It's the most peculiar thing I ever smelled. What is it? Oh, oh that. Uh, it's, uh, it's coming from the basement. The gardener's boiling his corduroy pants. <laughs> 
Now, uh, stand back a little, Alice. I'm just about to try out my Australian boomerang again. Please don't, Phil. You, you don't know how to throw that thing. Oh, I don't, huh? Just watch this. Open the door. Now then. I'm going to throw it over in the Jones's backyard, curve it around that big maple tree, and it will glide right back here into my hand. Here it goes. Fine place to put a greenhouse. Well, that takes care of the good neighbor policy. <laughs> now listen to me, Phil. You've wasted enough time around here. All this complaining about the band not getting work. Why don't you go out and canvas a few hotels and cafes and rustle up some work? Wait a minute, Alice. I can't go out on a day like this. Look out the window there. I've never seen such rain. Look. Wasn't raining a minute ago Well, that's California, Alice Those directional storms <laughs> You know yourself It'd be downright silly To go out looking for work On a day like this Well, I wouldn't want you To catch a cold Well, I know that, Alice But look, tomorrow's bound To be a nice day And then I'll Well, I'll really try To land something for the band Okay, Phil I'll be in the kitchen If you want me Okay, honey don't know why there's no sun up in the sky, stormy weather. Why, bye, bobby, do, bye, do, be, be. Hi, Curly. Oh, bo, bo, be. How'd it go? Oh, swell. Hey, when Alice saw it was raining, she said I didn't have to go out and look for no job. I gotta hand it to you, Curly. You're a genius. Who else would have thought of having me go up on the roof with a garden hose? <laughs> oh, I can't take all the credit, Elliot. You did a very realistic job with that rain. Gee, thanks, Curly. Next time I'll take a bass drum up there with me and give you a little thunder with it. <laughs> hey, Curly. What's that smell in here? Oh, that, that's nothing. The gardener's boiling his corduroy pants. That's all. He's boiling his pants. I think they need a little more salt. <laughs> What are we going to do about this work situation? What do you mean? Look, if I don't get some work for the band, Alice is going to insist that I go out and take any kind of a job. Now, she already said so. Ah, women are all alike. Forget about that, Curly. Let's practice on our kazoos. All right, Elliot. Okay, Elliot, hold it a minute. Wait a minute, will you? What's the matter with you? Look, what I'm trying to tell you is serious. Alice is closing in on me, and I'm going to have to go to work. And you do, do, do. What is this? But why do you have to go to work, Curly? Don't you realize how valuable you are around the house? You're a real handyman. When we had that big wind and it blew the television aerial off the house, who went up and fixed it? An expert technician, thanks to my RCA Victor factory service contract. <laughs> okay, but when the water pipes burst that time, who fixed those? The kid next door. All right, but who mixed the cement, carried the bricks, and built the barbecue? Alice. <laughs> well, let's practice our kazoos. All right. Will you hold it a minute? All right, Clyde, hold it. Curly, you're getting a little panicky about this job thing, and it's also pointless. 
Remember those famous words. Nobody has to work for a living if they really put their mind to it. Who said that? My brother Charlie. <laughs> and no kidding. He stuck to it. Yeah, Charlie was out of work so long, my mother finally made a floor lamp out of him. <laughs> of course, he had a nice glow to begin yeah. with. Yeah. <laughs> you stop with all of that. I just wish that, that I could figure out some way to make a lot of money. Curly, I think there are lots of... Anybody home? I've run the groceries! Oh, hi, Julius. Hello, Julius. Well, where are you two bandits been hiding? The stagecoach hasn't been held up for a week. <laughs> just put the groceries in the kitchen and beat it, get lost. Mr. Lewis and I are busy figuring something out. Are you still working on that big project where you're going to make a fortune, Mr. Harris? Julius, I told you to forget that. What, just what, leave... uh, what project was that, Julius? Didn't he tell you about it, Mr. Lewis? Why, Mr. Harris here is the sole creator of the ever-popular foam rubber shorts. <laughs> Foam rubber shorts? Yeah, for guys who keep falling off a bar stool. <laughs> Gee, that's a swell idea. Your girlfriend could catch you on the first bounce. Or in Mr. Harris's case, the bartender could dribble him right out the front door. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh, you two guys are really funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Just go ahead and laugh. But don't forget, they laughed at Priscilla Yale when she invented the Yale lock. Wait a minute. I didn't know that a girl invented the Yale lock. She had to. She was living at the YWCA in San Pedro, and the fleet was in. <laughs> I got this kind of joke, too, you know. There ain't no use for me to try to invent nothing new, because everything has been thought of already. They ain't what are no... you talking about? Mr. Harris, if you guys really want to make money, I got a proposition for you. You want to take some orders for Oyman Coats? Oyman Coats? <laughs> yeah, my cousin Geronimo Abruzio is a furrier. Yeah, yeah, I was afraid of that. And, and my cousin Geronimo will give you a 20% commission on each and every Oyman Coat you sell for $14.75. Oh now, all you have to do All right, is... back up a minute, kid. Hold it a minute. $14.75? This is the price for a Nerman coat? Yeah. Well, it ain't real aiming for her, but it looks almost like it. My cousin Geronimo sews mice to a shower curtain. <laughs> Kid. Makes a very nice coat. Or it makes a wonderful throw rug for a rich cat. <laughs> Kid, look I... Or you can plug one mouse tail into a socket And have an electric blanket <laughs> Or No, Mr. Harris Please call me Please, Mr. Harris Not in the washing machine again The power's lose me little Okay, then get out of here, will you? Get out of here. <laughs> Someday, Elliot, I'm going to take this... Curly, Curly. I'm... Curly, never mind him. I just had a wonderful idea how you can make some money. 
Do you realize animal trainers get $200 a day every day their trained animal is appearing in a movie? Now, what are you talking about? I am talking about Herman, your St. Bernard dog. All you have to do is train him a little bit, then sit back and let the money roll in. Elliot, of all the ideas you've ever had, now that's the greatest. Now, see, that makes good sense because Herman is one of the smartest dogs I've ever seen. Hey, look at him. Just hmm. look out there. Look at him laying out there in the front yard. Yeah. 210 pounds of brawn and brain. Hey, watch this, Elliot. Hey, Herman! Yeah, boy. Hey, come here, Herman. Hey, come here. That's right. That's right. Come to Daddy. <laughs> Gee, I forgot he was chained to the garage. <laughs> Preacher went out walking, twas on one Sunday morn. It was against his religion, but he took his gun along. He shot himself some mighty fine quail and one little measly hare. But on his way returning home, he met a great big grizzly bear. Now the bear got down in the middle of the road, on all fours like a great big toad, and looked at Preacher right square and eye. And the preacher looked at him and said, Bye bye. Preacher got up, took out the run. The bear right after that preacher did come, and he run, and he run for five a mile. And the preacher sat down and rested a while. Preacher got up. Started again, there right after him with more vim And he ran and he ran till he spotted a tree Said, up on the limb is the place for me Bear reached up, made a grab for him Preacher leaped and he made the limb Pulled himself up and turned about Cast his eyes to the skies and he did shout Oh, Lord, you delivered Daniel from the lion's den Also delivered Jonah from the belly of the whale and then The Hebrew chilling with the pirate furnace of the good book do declare Oh, Lord, if you can't help me For goodness sake, don't help that bow just about then that limb gave way and the preacher come tumbling down. Reached in his pocket, pulled his razor out just before he hit the ground. He hit the ground with an awful bang. It was a terrible sight. That preacher, the bear with the razor in his hair, just a cutting left and right. Well, he rolled around on the ground. The preacher was up and then he was down. The bear let out an awful moan and looked like the preacher was holding his own. Said, if I get out of here alive with that good book, I will abide. I'll never sin on Sabbath day and Sunday. Come, I'll pray and pray and to the heavens. He did glance, said, Lord, just give me one more chance. Then his suspenders gave away, and he knocked that bath ten feet away. Preacher got up, made the bound to the tree where he'd be safe and sound. Pulled himself up and turned about, cast his eyes to the skies, and he did shout, Oh, Lord, you delivered Daniel from the lion's den. Also delivered Jonah from the belly of the whale and then The Hebrew children of the pirate furnace of the good book to declare, now listen, Lord. If you can't help me, for goodness sake, don't help that man. Yo, Curly, I'm glad they had a book on dog training at the library. Yeah, well, we got it. Now, look, Elliot, I want you to read it to me, and then I'll put Herman through the tricks. This ought to be a cinch with you with the book, and we've, we've got this smart dog like Herman. Oh, yeah. Read it. Okay. Chapter one. Take some old newspapers and spread them all over the floor. Wait a minute. No, no. <laughs> Herman. 
Reverend's older than that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, wait a minute. I got it. Why don't we start off by teaching him something simple like... Hey, I know. What? I'll teach him to lie down on command. Yeah, that's good. Now, Herman... <laughs> Look, Herman, I'm giving you one command and one command only. Now, lie down. Herman, lie down. Herman, down, down. Curly ain't moving. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'll fix that. Uh, Herman. Here, Herman. There. Now, down. Lie down. Curly, he did it, he did it. <laughs> What'd you give him? A meatball with a brandy center. (laughs) No, 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 Herman. Now, look, you disobeyed me and it serves you right. Now, you're going in that closet and stay till you know how to behave. Get in there. I hated to do it to him, but he has to learn. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm sorry, Herman, but you've got to stay in that closet and think it over for a while. Maybe we're approaching this dog training all wrong. I believe in kindness, first of all, but look at lion tamers. They get results by scaring the animals with a loud noise like a gunshot or cracking a big whip. Whip? Hey, wait a minute. Hmm? That might be worth trying, and I got a big bull whip that Andy Devine gave me. His great-grandfather used to use it on a mule train. It's hanging right there in the hallway. Wait a minute, I'll get it. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. Here it is. I'll just see if I can still crack it. Yeah. Hey, that's great, Curly. That ought to scare Herman. Man, this whip really makes a noise, don't it? (laughs) Hey, Elliot, stand back, and I'll show you how I'm going to use this whip. Hi! Up there! Hey, you! Hey, hey! Up there! Up there! What happened, son? The canary get out of his cage again? Oh, hello, Dad. No, no, I was just thinking of training Herman to be a trick dog. Yeah, uh, Curly figures we might be able to get him in the movies, make some money. Yeah, there's always money made in show business. I made a living at it for years. Started out with an animal act. All right, Dad, I didn't know that. I knew you were with minstrel shows and in vaudeville and everything else, but you never told me about being in an animal act. Well, it wasn't exactly a real animal. My partner and I got into one of those horse suits. Oh, yeah, I've seen those horse acts. One man is one end of the horse and the other man's the other. That's right. Dad, uh, which end were you? The end that had to take it for granted where we were going. (laughs) Dad, that's real interesting. Uh, Whatever happened to you and your partner? Oh, I don't know. The horse suit started to unravel, and after that, we sort of drifted apart. <laughs> well, that's show business for you. One day you're up, and the next day you're... Li- <laughs> oh, 
I didn't know Alice was home. <laughs> I remember one time we were playing the Warfield Theater in San Francisco, and you... <laughs> She's singing better every day. <laughs> Dad, we were figuring if we could get a St. Bernard like Herman trained, that'd really be something. Well, I think you're right, son. Novelty acts always go over big. I remember your Aunt Gladys. She had a wonderful act. Yeah, but wasn't Aunt Gladys the bearded lady with the circus? That's right, son. She had a long black beard reached from her chin clear down to her knees. Later on, she became a striptease dancer. <laughs> what? Well, she didn't exactly do a striptease. She just used to walk out on the runway and start to shave. <laughs> Sounds like a great act. Yeah, I can still hear those sailors in the balcony yelling, Hey, Gladys, how you fixed for Blade? <laughs> yeah. Gee whiz, what a performer. You don't see acts like that anymore. Not unless you got a good seat in the patrol wagon. <laughs> well, nice to see you boys again. Bye, Dad. Don't forget you're coming over for dinner next week. That's right. Well, I guess I'd better be... <laughs> they don't write songs like they used to. <laughs> right, uh... Well, let's get back to the train and Curly, if we're going to make any loot. Okay. Hey, here's something we missed. Dog psychology, it said. Uh, no one has ever trained an animal successfully without first learning to think as the animal does. Put yourself in the dog's place, it says. In other words, uh, what would you do if you were a dog? Well, that's the key to the whole thing. That makes it so simple. Yeah. What would you do if you were a dog? Yeah. What would you do if you were a dog? Oh, gee, it's comfortable lying here on the front lawn. <laughs> Boy, am I happy. I don't know why they call this a dog's life. I'm glad I'm a dog. I wouldn't be a people for anything. <laughs> and I'm glad that I'm the kind of a dog I am, too. I couldn't have been anything else with my wavy golden curls and my lovely blue eyes. I had to be a Pomeranian. <laughs> Oh, here comes that new dog that just moved into the neighborhood. He's sticking his head through the fence. Hello. Hello. I'm a Pomeranian. What kind of a dog are you? I'm a mixture. <laughs> I'm French Poodle, Australian Sheepdog, Scotch Terrier, German Dachshund, English Wolfhound, Irish Beagle, and Japanese Spaniel. <laughs> Mother was overseas with the USO. <laughs> Well, 
Welcome to our neighborhood. I know that you're Yoo-hoo. just... Yoo-hoo. Uh-oh, I gotta go now. I'm being paid. See, that's my mistress. See you tomorrow. Okay, so long. Oh, there's my precious little doggy now. <laughs> Come on up here in Mommy's lap. Ooh, I could just hug you to death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like that? <laughs> Mama's got bad reports about little poopsie whoopsie. They tell me that you bit the mailman on the leg. Don't you know that's naughty? You wouldn't bite me on the leg, <laughs> would you? <laughs> Only a dog could say no to that. <laughs> Phil, Phil, wake up. Huh? What? What's the matter, Alice? What's the matter? Come and take a look at the living room. While you and Elliot were sleeping, that dog Herman has wrecked everything in the place. Well, Alice, we just dozed off for a minute. You see, we were training Herman. Training and... him? Now listen to me, Phil Harris. That dog, Herman, goes. And right now. Oh? Well, you listen to me, Alice Faye. Anybody who doesn't like my dog doesn't like me. If that dog goes, I go with him. Is that so? Yes, and I beg you to remember, Alice, I'm a stubborn man. Now, we've had arguments like this before, and I have never lost one yet. Curly, there are times when I can get a real inspiration from your courage. In that argument with Alice, you were magnificent. Oh, I wasn't so great. I just did what any red-blooded man would do. Elliot, if you ever get married, you've got to remember that when these arguments come up, you've got to nip them in the bud. You've got to let them know who's boss. Well, you certainly did just that. Thank you. Herman, put your paw over that knot hole. There's a draft in this doghouse. <laughs> Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. Hey, Elliot, what does 21-inch, 24-inch, and 27-inch make you think about? Um, no idea. Come on now, guess. 21, 24, and 27 inches? Yeah. Got it. Your chest expansion, your shoulder width, and your hat size? Tilt. That happens to be the wrong answer. I goofed, huh? And how you goofed. Now, look, try again, this time for your job. Oh, I know. Those are sizes of new RCA Victor TV sets. And now you're talking. And by mere chance, I happen to know that these big, giant screen RCA Victor sets are now at the lowest prices in RCA Victor history. Isn't that right, Bill Foreman? You're right as rain, Phil. And no matter what size RCA Victor you choose, you can count on vivid, brilliant detail over the entire surface of the screen. Because every new RCA Victor brings you the important TV advances. Advances like the famous magic monitor circuit system, golden throat fidelity sound, and rotomatic tuning. And yet, 
Prices for 21, 24, and 27-inch TV are the lowest in RCA Victor history. See them at your dealers now. And remember, a factory service contract for expert installation and maintenance is available in almost all TV areas, only to RCA Victor television owners. This is Phil again. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen. We're a little late, so good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Included in this program transcribed were Viola Vaughn, Pinto Colvig, and Dick Legrand. The part of Julius was played by Walter Tetley. This has been an NBC Radio Network presentation. That's the brilliant climax from Ravel's Bolero, as played in RCA Victor's 45 EP new orthophonic high-fidelity album by the Boston Pops Orchestra. Here, the complete Bolero, plus a Gershwin medley from Porgy and Bess, in RCA Victor's wonderful new Boston Pops extended play record for only $1.58. At your dealers now. Here, Can You Top This, following John Cameron Swayze and the News on the NBC Radio Network.